Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. When we make the decision to go to law school, most of us have zero idea of what type of lawyer we want to be. I know that was the case when I started. Usually what we know about being a lawyer basically comes from Law & Order or Legally Blonde. Shout out to our girl, Elle Woods. So if you're thinking about going to law school, already in law school, or you maybe you just took the bar exam, or have just been curious about what type of law you might be the perfect fit for, we have just the thing for you. Tell them, Samantha. A longtime friend of the podcast and new lawyer now what coach, Angela Vorpal has put together a free what type of lawyer I should be quiz. This 90 second quiz is designed to give you a window into what your best fit type of law might be. Awesome. Am I right? You can take the quiz at www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com. So what are you waiting for? Go take the quiz and then send us a DM on Instagram with the type of lawyer you got. We're so excited to see. Hi guys and welcome back to the Ladies Who Law podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And this week we have a return guest, but not only has she like been on the podcast before, we've literally been friends with her since, I don't know, the very beginning. <laughs> so like four years at this point. Um, so we're really excited to have her back and to share some, some little tips and tricks for you 1Ls and first year associates. Um, so yeah, why don't we welcome Miss Angela Borpal? All right, guys, we're here today with longtime friend of the podcast, Angela Borpel. Hi, Angela. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so good to see you guys. How are y'all? We're hanging in there, you know, we're uh, <laughs> new attorneys and it's, it's you know, it's a different uh, ball game than law school. So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. New and different and difficult in a completely different way, which is fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of learning. You never stop learning right, in, in this right. field. You never stop learning. It's great though. Yeah. I love it. So Angela, we want to know what is similar between 1L, which so many of our listeners and followers are starting, getting ready to start law school, right? How does that and compared to a first year associateship and being an yeah. attorney out there. Yeah, absolutely. So as I was thinking through this, I I coach new law students, so incoming 1Ls, and then also new lawyers, so people who are starting their first year uh, associateship at a law firm. And so when I 
was sort of thinking through the similarities, I realized that there are actually quite a few lessons and takeaways that are similar to both because you're starting a brand new phase, you're in an incredibly new environment, you're learning new things. Uh, and so some of these big, these big lessons are, are also similar. And so I came up with three that were kind of my favorite and that definitely moved the needle the most for me in, in my career. And so the first one that I realized was, in terms of both 1L year and your first year associateship, master the details, but don't forget the bigger picture. And this one is really tough when you're first starting out because, again, all of these new learning curves are coming at you all at once. And so we're all desperately just trying to survive and see the hand in front of our face, you know, like the the bigger picture. What bigger picture? We're just trying to make it through a 24-hour cycle uh, Mm -hmm. of life, right? And so it's really, really tough. Uh, just starting out. But when you begin to get your sea legs and you begin to get a little bit more grounded, I think it's really important to keep that in the back of your mind. Because specifically for 1L year, what can tend to happen is that all of us, the first thing that we do is to go straight to the reading that the professor has assigned us, right? Because that's the only thing that they're asking us to do. So it must be the most important thing. So we crack open a casebook cold and we dive in And so often we get lost in these nitty gritty details of the case that have nothing to do with the concept of law we're learning or even the the larger picture of the course. And so it can be really tough to get out of those weeds and actually understand what these larger concepts of law are and how they all work together. And then similarly, as a first year associate, when you're being assigned projects and tasks, you're being assigned them in these little vacuums. And so you might be on the litigation side, for example, be assigned to research this very specific area of the law or be assigned to respond to these 25 interrogatories um, or please review these documents um, and let me know which ones are privileged and not. And we aren't given a lot of context for why we're doing this or what the larger strategy is or how this is playing into the bigger picture of the issues. And so what can tend to happen is that we get, get lost in these little vacuums and we're not able to connect the dots. Okay. So I guess just a follow up to that, like, okay, for the one L's, how can they start looking at that big picture? You know, like what, how, like, how are they supposed to know? Yeah. Great question. So what I have all of my one L students do is two things before they ever crack a casebook. The first one is to literally copy and paste the headings and subheadings from their syllabus into their notes. So they already have a 30,000 foot view of where this thing that they're learning is falling. And then the second thing that I always recommend that they do is look at a pre-case resource, which is usually going to be a 2L or 3L outline. So you want to see what is this area of law or what is this concept of law and how does this concept fit into the bigger picture before you ever read a case. And so if you have those two things, at least at a high level, understanding that we're just learning this 24 hours before we're heading into class, but at the very least, you can begin to puzzle piece this thing together in a way that the specialized duty for children under nine can start to actually make a little bit more sense in the, in the broader picture. 
I love that so much. Like, yeah. And it, it's funny because it we were just home. talking about that of like the other day we were like, wow, I wonder what we would say if like the one thing we would tell a 1L and I was like, I would say get an outline ASAP, like from the get go. Cause we did the same thing. We literally would just read and I'm like, I don't even know what a tort is. And I'm looking like looking at a case about like something like a clock falling. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah, I can barely so, yeah. understand what the case says, much less what I'm supposed to be doing here. Yeah, so I yeah, think that's absolutely. amazing advice. Yeah, and when you're reading a case too, in theory, the casebook editor has edited out all of the parts that are not relevant, but in practice, that never actually happens. And so no. your professors are asking you very complex procedural history that has absolutely nothing to do with the concepts you're learning. And so the messaging you're getting is very convoluted because then you assume that the questions that they're asking you in class are directly related to what it is you're supposed to know. And sometimes they're not related at all. And so if you don't have this sort of filter going in, it can immediately put you underwater because now you don't know what is important and you don't know where the GPS is pointed because everything feels important and also everything feels convoluted. Yeah. Okay. So what would you recommend to the associate, you know, like going into their first, you know, law job and like, how are they, how do you recommend they get a bigger picture of maybe their practice area? I mean, they're not going to be able to know everything, right? Because it's impossible, but where can they start? Yeah, good question. So I never had the confidence to do this when I first started out, probably for a year. It probably took, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe it was, maybe it was six months to a year before I ever felt confident enough to ask these questions. But if you can ask them earlier, by all means do. And so one of the first questions to ask is what will this project be used for? So for example, if you are being asked to research, which is a very common first year associate task, research an area of the law, what is that for? Is it going to be used in a brief? Is it to know whether we want to bring this case at all? Is it going to be used in a direct or cross-examination? Is it going to be used in an expert report? So you can start to see how does this puzzle piece into the larger strategy of litigation. And then if you get a little bit more confident and you find a younger associate or a mid-level associate that you start to have a rapport with, you can also ask them what it, what are the overall issues or what is the overall strategy of this case? Because not all cases are created equal. So sometimes a good outcome for a client might be a certain amount of money. It might be the fact that um, they're protecting an asset. It might be for to, uh, to enhance or protect their own reputation. They might not want to go to trial at all. They might want to settle. And so knowing all these different things is really helpful for you, even if you don't necessarily know what they mean yet, or you haven't experienced them yet, to begin to see how your place on the team and, and how the projects you're doing are fitting into this overall strategy and overall story. That's the other thing too that I realized with litigation is that as you sort of bring these pieces of evidence together, so documents and deposition testimony, you are crafting a story and you're crafting arguments. And the things that you're working on as a first-year associate might be tiny, tiny pieces of each of these individual facets. And so having these sort of ongoing conversations of, oh, okay, so we depose so-and-so or we got such and such documents. How, if at all, does that change the strategy or the approach or the arguments and just kind of asking those questions and having those conversations each time that you are working on a project can really help you feel more plugged in overall. And it also makes you a better lawyer because now if you know the purpose, you can actually get more creative. You can get more strategic. You can get more resourceful about how to actually 
get to the the end that either the partner wants you to get to or the client wants you to get to, because as you'll begin to hear over and over as you go through the ranks of the law firm is that, at least for me, they would say to us over and over, we're not paying you just to do, we're paying you to think. And so at some point, it's going to stop being just do what we're telling you to do. And it's going to be anticipate needs or anticipate next steps or think past what this tiny project is. And so the way that you do that is begin to understand how does the thing I'm doing fit into the overall picture. Great advice. I mean, I immediately think about just being on projects and wondering, what is this for? Why are we doing this? Um, What happened before I got on this project? And yeah, I don't usually ask anyone. I just kind of dig around and do my own research. But it's definitely one of those things where, I mean, I've written you know, responses to briefs for appellate work. So it's like so much happened before. So I think that that's a good idea to just go ahead and ask the attorneys that you're working with, especially if you have that rapport. Hey, what's our strategy here? What are your thoughts on this case? Yeah. And to your point too, I don't even want to admit how long it took me to realize I should read the complaint When I would get on a case in the middle of a case, and it wasn't at the beginning, which it hardly ever is, to go back and read the initial complaint. What in the world are we even, who is suing who for what, right? The basic basics of even in one L year, when we talk about that, uh, it took, it took years before it ever occurred to me to do that. Because again, I was so focused head down in the weeds on the thing that I was being uh, asked to do. And so it didn't even occur to me that it might be my job or, or it might even make my job easier to know what the, what these bigger picture things were. And then for some of the cases we were working on, the parties were big enough that there were actually news articles being written about these cases that I did not know about. And so if you think that you might be working on a case that, that might be getting some regional or some national attention, Google it because these articles sometimes will literally lay out who is suing who for what and what is the business background motivation behind it. So are these two competitors? Did they used to work together? Was there a licensing dispute? Um, was it like somebody who was on the board and then fell out of favor? And so then you can start to get a little bit more of the real world implications of what it is you're working on. I love that. I'm going to take that and uh, take, yeah, I'm going to start that right now. Uh, just Googling everything. Um, totally. Okay. So, so what would your second point be? Yeah. So for both the one else out there and first year associates, the second point would be to be entrepreneurial, which I know is so devastating to hear for so many of us because a lot of us went to law school specifically so that we wouldn't have to be entrepreneurial. We don't identify as entrepreneurs, nothing about our makeup. Uh, or our desires is entrepreneurial. And so a lot of us went to law school and decided to pursue law because we liked that there was a clear, direct path. We liked that there were steps involved. We liked that we could put our head down and do the work. And so it can feel very terrifying to, to realize that that entrepreneurial aspect of yourself is something that is really valuable to grow and develop. And so on the 1L side, you know, yes, putting your head down and getting the grades is a huge piece of that puzzle. That's really powerful for you. 
but also reaching out and talking to people and taking steps and ownership over your law school career is going to get you so much farther than you could possibly imagine. And I think one of the things that makes this difficult is especially for those of us who went straight through undergrad, like I did, is we were, we're technically in school. And so we're in an environment that we have been sort of socialized to understand is taking care of us, has our best interests at heart, um, is supporting us, is looking out for us, which is not completely untrue. There is an element of that, but it definitely stops at a certain level. And if you want to go past that and you want to make your career or law school career look different or unique or better or more than it otherwise would, then you really have to begin to take ownership steps over that. And the same thing is true as a first year associate. So we begin the law firm process and we just went through maybe OCI, maybe um, an interview process where they're telling us how much they like us and how excited they are for us to be there and how big of a value add we're going to be to the team. And so we show up thinking we're amazing and they're going to love us here and, and they want to kind of cultivate us and, and, and bring us into the team. And that's kind of true to a certain extent, but then it stops. And so it really is up to you to kind of take those reins and really, really make the next years of law school or your career look exactly the way you want them to. I like that. Take the reins. You're yeah, in control. I mean, putting your, yeah, you're, you got to put yourself first and you know, what's best for you. So follow what you want to do. We've always said like, if you know, for OCI, like we always use this as an example, if it doesn't work out for you, start cold calling. I mean, cold emailing, or you could cold call too, probably firms, you know, like take ownership, just start doing what's best for you. So whenever we talk about entrepreneurial, I mean, maybe I'm in the minority, but I came to law school and went to law school to, I mean, honestly, get a trade, be my own boss, and just kind of have that ability to move around. Is that kind of what you mean? Or or is that something different? No. So I guess it depends. I guess there's different flavors it could take. So when I think of law school and the law firm world, I'm and specifically in this context, context, I'm thinking entrepreneurial inside of those containers. But yeah, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial could also be, and I want to go start my own law firm or, and I want to go start my own business or like you guys are doing, I want to start my own content and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But even at a, even at a smaller level or a more beginner level mm-hmm. in law school, for example, you can be entrepreneurial inside of that same container. And so when we're talking about sort of stepping outside of your comfort zone, a lot of by the way, being entrepreneurial is talking to people and pursuing opportunities rather than waiting for them to be handed to you. Like that's really okay. what it is that we're talking about. And so for example, when you're in your 1L year, and I'm not trying to suggest that you have to do all of this at once or even all of this within your first year, but just to kind of keep in the back of your mind and start to take baby steps around it. As a 1L, I'm talking about going to professor office hours, proactively Mm. meeting with your career services rep, casting a super broad net for your 1L summer internship, like you guys said, cold reach outs. And if you really are feeling like you want to challenge yourself, sending those it was so nice to meet you or thank you for coming emails to lawyers who come on campus for speaker events or networking events and beginning to just plant the seeds of these organic relationships. 
And then on the one L, on the first year associate side, it looks like similar things that we were talking about earlier, reaching out to senior associates and partners that you actually want to work for and get staffed on cases with, getting to know the paralegals and legal secretaries who know partner preferences and tendencies really well, getting mm. involved in firm-wide events or legal industry events like associate committees, CLE, summer recruiting, bar association meetings. And so I, I hesitate to kind of just dump all of that on you guys because, I, again, I do not mean to suggest that you should do all of this your 1L year. But instead, again, just if there are tiny pockets of time, begin to create, like take small baby steps and create small habits around these things. They are so difficult for so many of us to do, myself included. I never did any of this. That... If you can even begin with one, one step with mm-hmm. one human, it is going to be so much easier and more natural and more organic to keep going. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you are currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Absolutely. I think putting yourself out there, trying to go to one alumni event, of the semester or, you know, that networking event that you feel really nervous to go to do it, you know, especially in one L, even though I know you've been studying your butts off, I know you're really scared and are you really nervous, but honestly chatting with other lawyers and people like you who have been through this will probably be good for you. Also, like you mentioned before, the big picture, right? Getting to meet people who already are in practice and then start planting your seeds. You can start maybe deciding like, hmm, okay, I want to write a lot in my career. Maybe I should join law review and that can be my thing, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, just taking control of your path. Yeah, I think that's so important because, and and yes, taking the steps that, that we talked about, but also as a mindset shift as well from somebody's going to take care of me or somebody's going to make sure Mm -hmm. that this happens for me and shifting that to, I am in control and I have ownership of how this is going to go because then you don't feel this 
sort of disappointment with, oh, career services didn't find me a job, or I didn't get staffed on the case I wanted to get staffed on, or I didn't get chosen to develop the CLE I wanted to develop. And so I know this is getting a little real, but one of the things my sister told me recently that I just can't get out of my head um, is the the cavalry is not coming. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, for whatever reason at this like point in my life, that just hit home so hard because yeah. it's kind of a relief to know that. Like if the cavalry is not coming and somebody is not coming to save you, that means that you're in control. You get to decide how this goes, right? And so that includes, yes, doing the work and doing it well. But then if you want to start opening up windows for yourself, whether that's a research assistant position, whether that's an internship in a totally different part of the country, whether that's working with a partner who is in possible to work for uh, and get on his or her cases and deals, like you can start to take these baby steps to build those relationships, ask for those things, prove yourself in a way that you don't kind of have to sit back and wait for it to happen. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what is lesson number three? So lesson number three is bring great energy and great attitude to your day-to-day work and kind of in a nutshell, be a pleasure to be around. And I know this sounds kind of like a cliche throwaway piece of advice, but it's actually incredibly important. And it's because both in law school and in law firms, these environments are very intense. They're very high stakes. They're stressful. They're fast paced. So everyone is on edge. Everyone is freaked out. Everyone is you know, stressed and overworked. And so it absolutely makes a difference how you are showing up in the office or showing up on campus. And being able to bring that positive energy and that positive vibe is something that is going to make people want to associate with you, want to work with you, want to be on a team with you, and want to help you. And so I've just seen this over and over. I think it's so common, both as a 1L and both as a first-year associate, that you're working long hours. This stuff is really hard. You're asking something of your body and brain you've never asked before. And so it's really easy to go to a negative place and and go, get into get into sort of a, a habit of complaining and, and, and talking about how difficult everything is and, and how tough it is on you, which I will absolutely say that it is like validated completely. It is a difficult experience and there is a time and a place to vent and to commiserate. And if you want to curse the day you ever decided to become a lawyer, because we've all been there, but Mm -hmm. I would say that that's with somebody that you trust and maybe in the privacy of your home or with a close friend and not generally with all of your classmates or everybody in the office, because the last thing that anybody wants to be around is like pulling an all nighter in the library or in the conference room and somebody just bringing this negative energy because we all have to be there and we all have to do the work. And so if you can find a way to to tap into being excited because you didn't even think you would go to law school and now you're here, or you never thought you'd get a law firm job and, and look where you are and you're learning and you're trying things and you're developing an expertise. And this was the vision, you know, mm-hmm. and if you can really, really tap into that and, and bring that positive energy I can't tell you how much of a difference that makes in terms of people wanting to help you and wanting to work with you and wanting to give you opportunities because you are straight up a pleasure to be around. Because they want to be around you. Exactly. Like, yeah, I think that that's something that totally never gets said, but is 
so simple and so important. And I can totally like vouch for the fact that even my coworkers, we can all tell when someone's like having a bad day or, you know, and sometimes it's just like you just give them their space or whatever, even myself included. But remembering that, you know, I, we always say too, it's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be a lawyer, a, a law student, an attorney, and and just, you know, being grateful for that and keeping the positive vibes. I love that so much. I also think that like starting having that mindset like in 1L is smart because your reputation precedes you. Like everyone's going to, you know, if you're a pleasure to be around, people will, like you said, people will want to work with you. Um, it's a, usually the legal community is pretty small, you know? So if you can start early and then even if like, sometimes you just got to put your best foot forward. <laughs> like even as, as much as you don't want to, you know, like if you're so tired, like for example, I was up at a meeting at like 7am and did I want to be there? No. But I was like, <laughs> you know, smiling, like, hi, good morning. Yeah. How are you? How'd you sleep? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and just whatever it's, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing too is, when you are starting out law school, right? So yes, 1L year, but even if we're talking kind of the professional side of it, starting your 1L summer internship or starting as a first year associate, we don't have a lot that we're bringing to the table. We don't have any experience. We don't have any expertise. We're learning on the go. And so the things that you do have that you absolutely can offer are your desire to work hard, your excitement to learn, and your and your wonderful positive energy. Like those are the things that are really going to make people want to mentor you, take you under their wing, answer your questions. Uh, and I've just seen it time and time again. And the opposite is also true. You know, people who are just sort of negative Nancy's all the time and just really kind of bringing down, like that doesn't inspire anyone to, to want to try to mentor you or help you or, or teach you anything. And so again, not to, not to invalidate the experience at all because, oh my gosh, the amount of nights and, and moments of just like crying and venting and, and, and like calling my sisters and all of the things. But again, mm -hmm. there is, there is an important distinction between when you're having those private conversations and how you are portraying yourself in the office or in, you know, in front of a professor or just like generally, um, in the student body and it can it can really really go a long way for you especially as a young lawyer yeah i think that's great to remember to vent outside of school don't you know i love how you called your sisters like find those people outside of your law school community that you can talk to and you know cry to and even sometimes in your law school community that you trust but it's so important to have that because you're right. Whenever we go out in the world, when we go out in the work world, when we go out to even law school, we have, we present ourselves a certain way. And it's important to remember that. Yeah. And I guess the other part too of this that, that I'm sort of remembering as I even say this is the, you also have to, yes, the time and the place, but also keep a check on what the, the talk is and how it's affecting you. Because what mm -hmm. can tend to happen, especially one L year and first year associate year as well is, if all we're focusing on it on is 
if all we're focusing on is how hard it is and the long hours and how grueling it can actually physically and mentally bring you down faster than if you can almost kind of compartmentalize that a bit of like today was hard. This is ridiculous, which a lot of things in law school are completely admittedly. And also now I'm heading into, you know, this study session or I'm heading into writing my memo and I'm going to have a, an energy shift around this. And this is what I want to do and I'm excited to learn and I'm going to work hard on this. And again, like allow yourself to have both, but without, without piece number one, bringing down or, or too heavily negatively affecting part number two. Otherwise it's going to make your job so much harder, whether that's one a year or your first year associate year. I'm thinking about how I tell my friend so much that you give yourself like a few days. Sometimes for certain things, you might need a few days. For certain things, you might just need a good, a good vent sesh, right? But once we, once we throw it out there, once we get our feelings out there, once we say to each other, Hey, I I just need to like talk about this. And then when you move on, I, I think it's some of the most healthy, productive conversations, especially in law school when you're just, it has to be quick. You know, we're, we're here, we're doing a lot. So I just need, we're moving time is everything. Right. So, right. You're like, I need to get through 11 hours of work. So I have exactly 17 minutes to <laughs> vent and cry and then I have to get back out. Of- exactly. Yeah. Basically. Really. Yeah. And then I guess if you're, some, if you're an associate, you can, I guess, cry at your lunch break and then wipe your tears. And you know what? I'm a baddie. Just keep on going. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Top butt up and keep going. <laughs> All right, Angela. So where can everyone find you if they want you to be their, you know, life coach, basically, you know, where can they reach out? (laughs) Yeah. So the best way to find me is just my website, AngelaVorpal.com. And then if you guys have any questions or want to talk out anything that we covered today, you can send me a DM on Instagram. It's just at AngelaVorpal. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. It's it's crazy because I, I think the last time that we recorded with you, we were uh, baby law students. I can't remember. Yeah. 2L, 1L. Um, I think it was 2L year. Yeah, it was yeah. so long ago. Yeah. And now we've been out for a year. So it's awesome to talk with you. And I already learned so much. And I appreciate you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It was such a such a great conversation. Thank you. All right, guys. Don't we love it whenever it's packaged up and presented to us in such a nice way? Angela is on top of her sheet and she honestly gave it to us perfectly. I know I learned a lot. I mean, technically, I don't even know what I am, but first year associate, all the advice that she gave, it was great. And when it came to the 1L advice, there was so much I thought, dang. I wish I would have done that. Uh, you know, whenever she talked about being entrepreneurial and how I thought of it one way and she was saying, well, really, I just mean getting yourself out there in a way. Uh, that, that really came home for me. And I, I hope it does for you guys too, because it doesn't mean that you have to go all out and do all these big things. You just little steps towards that mindset can really help. I totally agree. And if you guys forgot already, like what she talked about, go to our Instagram. We've posted 
some of her content that she shared um, on this episode because it's it was awesome. It was like bite-sized pieces. So you can just save that, send it to your besties that are starting law school, or if you have a friend that's just starting their you know new life as an attorney, send them the episode or the post. So yeah. All right, guys. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and subscribe. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, the biggest compliment you can give us is to recommend our podcast to a friend or to someone who out there who is in law school, an attorney, aspiring. Show them our podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. So follow us at the Ladies Who Law podcast on Instagram. If you have any questions and want to follow up with this with any kind of conversation, topics that you guys want to hear about anything, DM us or email us and we will try to get back to you as soon as possible. All right, guys, be safe and we will talk next week. Bye. Bye.